Hey guys, it's Dr. Childs here. Uh, today I want to talk about TSH, um, but specifically I want to talk about what is a normal TSH. And so this is, um, this is something that's pretty important if you are a patient with hypothyroidism, uh, but maybe not for the reasons that you're used to hearing. So let's actually talk about it. So first of all, what, what is TSH? You probably at least know of the name, but you may not quite understand what it is and what it means. So TSH stands for thyroid simulating hormone, and, T and thyroid simulating hormone is something that is secreted um, from your pituitary. So it, in essence, what TSH stands for is it, it basically gives you an indication of how much thyroid hormone that you're taking orally, or just that's just being produced naturally, is coming into contact through your serum with your pituitary gland. Now, what traditionally doctors do is they say, okay, well, we know that um, a healthy TSH level is X, and I'll talk to you about what a real healthy TSH level is in just a moment here, but let me just explain this. So they'll say, we know that a, a TSH level is X, and so we're going to try and get you to that value, and if we can give you medication by mouth, usually level thyroxine or T4, and we can get you down to this arbitrary idea of what we think TSH, a normal TSH is, then we have done our job and we have given you what you need and you should feel better and your thyroid is considered to be, you know, they'll wash their hands and say, you're good to go. Now that turns out to be um, probably not as, uh, it's, it's a little more complex than that. Let's, let's put it this way. Um, and the reason for that is the TSH is a marker of what is happening in your pituitary. But what it isn't is it is not a marker of what is happening elsewhere in your body. So you have to consider that each of your tissues has a demand for thyroid hormone, okay? And this should make sense to you, right? Your pituitary needs to know how much thyroid is floating around in the body because it's help regulating the amount that is being produced. That makes perfect sense. But what you also have to consider is your heart tissue has a, has a specific need for thyroid hormone. Your skeletal muscle, which is like the muscle tissues in your body, has a need for it. Um, your, your hair follicles have a need for it. Your liver has a need for it. Your mitochondrial have a need for it. Now, the point is, every single one of these cells I've just listed, and by the way, almost every cell does, but let's just, let's just break this down really in a very easy way to, to understand here. So we know that each of those tissues has a need for it. Now, what you what you cannot say or and or shouldn't say is the amount of thyroid hormone needed for each of these tissues is the exact same. Well, that doesn't really make any sense because let's, let's just think about it logically for a minute. What if you are a highly active person using your muscles all the time for, let's say, work? Let's say that you're a construction worker. You're going to be using your muscles more. Is it is it logical to assume that the demand of thyroid hormone in your muscles is more than it would be for, let's say, tissues that you don't, don't use all that much, like hair follicles or something else like that? The answer is yes, obviously, and this is not a concept that's un unknown or foreign to doctors. They know about this. Basically, what this means is your body is smart enough to know that certain tissues need more thyroid hormone than other tissues, right? That just makes sense. It's not like every tissue in your body needs the exact same amount of every nutrient ever and everything is 100% equal and everyone shares the same amount. No, that's not true because each tissue has a different demand. Okay, so that's one of the main problems with TSH. TSH, T, doctors use TSH to make an assumption on what is happening in your entire body when in reality the TSH is really only what's telling what's is telling you what's going on in the pituitary. Um, another reason this turns out to be good, and I won't harp on this too long because it's getting a little bit um, esoteric, but basically what happens in the pituitary, uh, your pituitary gland itself has different deiodinases, which makes, and deiodinases are the thing that, that, that either in, inactivate or activate thyroid hormone cellularly, um, but it turns out that 
that your pituitary doesn't have the deiodinases that turn uh, T4 into reverse T3. So basically, every, any T4 that gets to your pituitary is going to be turned into free T3, or just T3, um, and is therefore going to tell your body that, boom, everything's looking good. Now, that's not true of other tissues, so let's just compare liver tissue to pituitary tissue. Your liver tissue can take the T4 and turn it to reverse T3 or T3, and that can compete for binding, and then that that's you have to account for that. But the pituitary doesn't give you that story. Okay, so hopefully you're understanding here that it's just not the best marker that exists for checking your thyroid function, right? It just isn't um, for, for a number of reasons, but I've just given you two. Okay, but that's not our question here. Our question is, what is a normal TSH? Now, I uh, you have to understand that the general state of health of most people um, is somewhat unhealthy. And I, I mean that I mean that um, not in a derogatory or a rude way. It's just that the majority of people, I mean, if you just take, statistically speaking, if you just took, you know, 100 people in the United States, 50% of those people would have some degree of insulin resistance, which is an abnormal met metabolic state. So you can't really say, you can't really look at the averages among people within the United States and say that the current average of whatever all those people are you know, that's normal. Well, no, not necessarily. That would be true if all of those people were healthy, right? But that's not true. We're, we have evidence to suggest that that isn't true at all. So you want to compare your TSH to healthy adults, to healthy people, right? You do not want to be compared against the other guy who has similar, similar diseases as you, but just not quite as bad, right? That, that doesn't make sense. You want to be the best person that you can be. And so therefore you need to be compared. It needs to be apples to apples. Okay. And that's difficult when it comes to hormones. I'm just telling you that's not necessarily possible, but the, the, the concept is what you need to understand. So what is normal? Um, in my opinion, uh, the healthy adults of which I usually don't see a lot of the reason because most people don't go to a doctor if they're healthy. Um, but most of the time, uh, of the adults that I have checked for various reasons, their TSHs have always been less than one. So I've associated a, a healthy and normal TSH, probably less than one, generally speaking. Now, a lot of things will change that TSH, including, I mean, you could you could take a bunch of iodine and your iodine would go up and then we would check in and we'd be like, well, you're healthy, but your TSH is four. I don't understand. Okay, well, right, not every single time, but the majority of the time, a TSH less than one should be synonymous with at least a healthy functioning thyroid. Okay, so that's, that's, that's um, point number one. Now, but this is different because this is assuming number one that you're healthy and number two that you are not taking any thyroid hormone. Now what happens is when you take thyroid hormone, you have now interfered with the normal system of how your body regulates thyroid hormone in the body, right? And that, that should make, that, that shouldn't be um, too difficult to understand. If I'm artificially changing the environment, then certain things are going to happen. And that, and what happens is we get a change in number one, the amount of circulating thyroid hormone that's in the body. Number two, the amount of thyroid conversion that is occurring. And we also get a change um, in the TSH level, which is, which is what we're going to be talking about. So, but, but this doesn't mean that by giving you oral medication that we are mimicking exactly what the body would do under normal circumstances. So you can't take somebody who is healthy and young and, uh, well, not even necessarily young, but let's just say healthy, and we look at their TSH and say they have a healthy TSH of one. So therefore, if I look at you and you may be 30 to 50 pounds overweight, have PCOS or low testosterone or whatever, anything, insulin resistance or type 1 diabetes or type 2 diabetes or Hashimoto's or any of these things, and then say, well, this healthy person over here has a TSH less than one, so I'm going to try and get you to a healthy TSH of less than one, and then you're going to be healthy. No, it doesn't work that way. The, the reason is because we have never been good at, doctors and medicine has never been good at completely replacing hormones that are lost in the body. The reason is because if we 
So let's say your thyroid hormone is being secreted directly into your blood at various concentrations along the way. So the concentration of thyroid hormone in the tissues is going to be really high. It's going to be a little bit diluted by the time it gets to your serum. Then it's going to be a little bit dilute, further diluted by the time it gets to your cells. They're going to have a certain receptor sensitivity for it and yada, yada, yada. Now what we say is, we're, as doctors and as uh, physicians, we say, oh, okay, I got this. Well, if your body secretes about the amount of whatever, let's just make up a number, 100 micrograms per day. Well, if I give you 100 micrograms per day, then you should be good. Well, that's not true at all because how do you take it? Does it go directly in your blood? No, we, we don't inject the thyroid hormone directly into your blood. So that's number one, an issue that already is changing things. Instead, you take it by mouth. It gets absorbed into your body, goes through the liver first, and then goes to the rest of the serum or goes through the rest of your body to get to those tissues. But this is not the same as be, it being directly released into your blood tissue. So just by just by virtue of how it's given, it cannot be compared to a normal healthy adult. So that's that's a, a very important consideration and one that I don't think is talked about um, a lot. And I think most doctors know this intuitively. I mean, they must. I, I, I have to assume that they at least have thought about this. I just don't think that there's a better way short of you know, infusing yourself with constant, kind of like how we do with insulin, right? You know how there's insulin pumps? And the reason for that is this exact same thing occurs with insulin. But let's, let's use that as an example. Insulin's being pumped into your body every X amount of minutes because that way you can have much better control. Now, that's not really possible with thyroid hormone where we just inject it into your body naturally based off your demand, um, you know, every couple of minutes. We, we just can't do that. So what we do instead is we say, well, here's one pill take it and I really hope it gets you through the entire day. And by the way, we're going to compare you to a normal healthy person and really hope that that works out. And I think you can kind of understand, you can kind of get intuitively, you can intuitively understand that this probably isn't working the way that we think it is. And I, I would suggest that it isn't. And there are studies that are now coming out to suggest that it isn't as well. So really what I wanted to describe here was just that phenomenon and how it all kind of plays together. So remember that your TSH if you're on thyroid medication, isn't necessarily the best standard um, to assess whether or not all of your tissues are getting enough thyroid hormone. Instead, you should look at a combination of other um, lab tests, and I've gone over those in other videos, so I won't go over them now. Um, I'll at least mention them here, but I won't go over them in detail. But the point is, TSH should not be used in isolation, meaning should not be used by itself to assess tissue levels of thyroid hormone. Instead, what you should do is you should take a more comprehensive approach and look at other factors like the free T3. You should look at free T4. You should look at reverse T3. The reason for that is it gives you more insight into what is happening in the body. You can have a better understanding about what is happening to the thyroid hormone when it gets to your, when it gets to your tissues. Is it being converted from T4 to T3 or is it not? Are high levels of inflammation reducing that conversion? Do you have issues with other hormones that are further reducing that conversion, right? Do you have a high level of cellular resistance because your reverse T3 is so high because you've done a lot of dieting in the past. Are, are you even absorbing it? And you can check that by looking at sex hormone binding globulin. So you, you, these advanced tests give you a better idea of what's going on in the body, but most physicians will just kind of shoo them away as if they're not helpful. But in reality, they can. They can they, they're just giving you little, little bits of information. So the moral of this whole video is not to focus simply on the TSH and to focus on what is a normal TSH if you're taking medication. The idea is to order all of the rest of these tests so that you have a better idea of what's going on. I know this this topic is a little bit complex, um, but hopefully you're able to kind of follow my logic there. Um, if you have any questions about this, please leave them in the comments below as usual, and I'll try and get um, to your answers uh, as soon as I possibly can. Um, but hopefully you found this helpful, and otherwise I will see you guys again probably tomorrow with another video.